one what is good everybody welcome back to another edition of the malaga drive hoops pod um and i'm back we we had some great chemistry it was two hours long which we probably got to work on this time around bro uh but we had to get you back on here uh didn't have one last week but a, a lot has happened in the association um and so we're just going to recap you know what we've noticed what we've seen some of our favorite things who we've been watching all that good stuff and see where it takes us t happy sunday bro how you doing hey happy sunday i'm doing well thanks for having me back of course bro of course um like i said it's uh it's been a while uh it has been a while but in nba terms especially when you know you're early on in the season um and so you're like so keen to you know Oh, overreactions run rampant, I feel like, in general. But they, I feel like, are especially prevalent early on. Um, so we're going to talk about some of these big storylines. I, I think for before we even get too deep into any of that, bro, um, you know, over these past two weeks, what are some things that have caught your eye? Whether They can be small. They can be larger talking points, smaller talking points. Um, what are some things that you've noticed that, you know, you want to shine some light on? Yeah, I, I mean, kind of going back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago, but Phoenix, they're not going anywhere. Um, and they are doing what they're doing with no Jay Crowder. I'm not sure kind of what the next step is there. Uh, they lost Cam Johnson. I was going to say the, uh, to the Cam Johnson thing it. is huge, though. I know it didn't it's affect him last year, but it, to me, it's big. Yeah, I mean, that was the second game of a back-to-back versus the same team. And so we'll kind of see the issue that <clears throat> there, and we, we can be brief on the Suns before we bounce to the next thing, but I mean, with, with the Suns, they don't really have anyone that kind of replicates or comes close to what Cam Johnson does. Like, they can kind of go Landry bigger Shemette. size. Well, they can go, like, bigger size on the wings with, like, Tory Craig, Dario yeah. Saric but they're just not great shooters. They're not Cam Johnson level shooters. And then they could try to size down and get better shooters. Whether that's campaign or Shamit or, you know, Damian Lee that don't do anything close to what Cam Johnson is able to do defensively. Yeah. Now, Jake Crowder kind of fits that mold of someone that can In do between both those needed. Yeah, for sure. But it definitely is cause for concern. Um, yeah. But my point on Phoenix was just they, they've been impressive and they are not going anywhere. They're no. going to be competitive out West. I, I completely agree, bro. But I I do think as we bringing this up, I, I think we had had to talk about the Cam Johnson thing, bro. Um, Because I think that's the one thing with the Suns team is, yeah, obviously they've been really good these first couple of regular season games. And I know the rotation shortens, but uh, if there was one thing, it'd be depth, you know, and, and if Devin, if Devin Booker's not having a good night, who's going to be able to, you know, generate the looks that they need to get to, to be the dominant team they've been. Um, and Cam Johnson is huge from that. I feel like he's, he's easily one of the most underrated players in the league. Obviously we all know he can shoot, but um, one, he can't just shoot. Like he's elite, elite like that. That's not a guy you can replicate at all. Even if he's not making them every time he's in the corner, no help can come from that side. So it basically, it creates all these driving lanes to those sides where if you beat your guy, it's basically a bucket. Um, I don't think Jay's coming back. So yeah, we'll see. I, I think they'll be fine regular season wise, but they're definitely going to need Cam to to be 
their best. Um, McCall also, I, I, I mean, wanted to talk about him. Go ahead though. Yeah. And those, those are all great points that you were making. I mean, th- this is a big test for James Jones. Like if, if Jay Crowder's not coming back, he needs to be on the phones and, yeah. and you know, I mean, like he had some questionable decision-making over the last year or so. Um, I mean, the off season was not good. It was not good. So, I mean, if the Jay Crowder thing is toast, um, He's got some decisions to make because this team's too good to just kind of stand pat. Uh, So I'd be curious to kind of hear your thoughts about, you know, like potential. I mean, Eric Gordon is the name that comes to mind for me, but yeah, I don't know. Right, right off the dome, yeah, I think Eric Gordon is the the perfect trade candidate. Um, And yeah, like I I love that you made that point. It may it may be obvious, but like at the same time, you know, you have this window, and I think. There might be some teams where, like in baseball, ah, actually, you don't know that that's a perfect comparison. All I'm trying to say is with the Suns, there's very, there's very clearly a need and a hole. And obviously, they're really good, right? But, like, they can even get that much better, I feel like, if they add that one piece. I think Aaron Gordon makes the most sense. I'm, I'm trying to think just off the top of my head um, on some of these bad teams. I feel like it'll get more obvious as the season progresses. Um, like who are the tanker tankers and then some guys might emerge, but yeah, um, James Jones definitely has to get on the phone. And honestly, I try and get Jay back. Like that's where I would start personally. I don't know if that relationship is too far gone, but like I'm doing everything I can to bring him back. I mean, there's kind of layers to that, right? It's like Jay Crowder, like it's ridiculous that you would leave uh, you know, a title contending team, even if you were put in a six man, seventh man capacity. Yeah. But now it's like, is the relationship too far gone? Obviously that kind of remains to be seen. I would lean with what you're saying that it probably is, but you know, there, there are some wings that, that they could get that could do 75% of what Cam Johnson does, which is they're going to need it. For definitely. Sure. For sure. Uh, just, just odd though. Like, you know, like, clear hole and then the guy's right there the guy's right there um and, and i i'd i'd like to hope especially because i have them on my fantasy team but I, i'd like to hope it wasn't like oh you're coming off the bench because he was always going to still play 25 to 28 minutes a night up to 30 if things going really well i think it's probably the contract thing but even that it's like okay go prove your worth this year and you're, you're getting another contract i, I don't know um one of the things that I've noticed, I've been watching a lot of this team, and it honestly, it was rough the past two games. Um, but I really enjoy watching the Oklahoma City Thunder, bro. Um, it's just such – when you get a team that, like, yes, they have Shea, and, and yes, they honestly have plenty of talent. But, you know, overall, compared to the rest of the league, top to bottom, it's not a very talented team. And so when you just get a team where everyone's so bought into the role – and you just see that on a night-to-night basis, they outperform their talent. It's just so satisfying to me. And you can see why it is, right? Like, you watch them, and they're so locked in on defense. No, Rarely are guys just getting downhill in a straight-line drive. And if they do, everyone's aware and attentive and, and helping, uh, making the right read help-wise. Um, and then on offense, it's honestly, it hasn't been very pretty. Uh, but SGA is special, bro. Like, he is at legitimately super super special and I, i've watched almost all his offensive games he's a mid-range master like 
DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker level master. And he does it without like crazy athletic ability, without crazy speed. He just has these long, beautiful strides. He's always in control. Uh, it's just been beautiful to watch. And he's honestly very, I didn't realize this either. He's so wiry strong. Like there are so many times where like people are like trying to force him one way and he's just going through these guys on the other side, finishing at the paint. Um, They've just been so fun to watch and Chet's not even back yet. I think it's just a matter. It probably is not this year, but it's just a matter of time before this team is genuinely like a good team. Um, And we'll see, you know, how quick that comes, but you know, Giddy's not even playing all that well. He's not in a great rhythm right now. I, I just, I have a ton of fun watching that team. Yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, if SGA played more, like, and I don't know if it's due to the injuries or if the Thunder just decide to not play him. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of what he does kind of reminds me of what Luca does. I mean, the, the, I don't know exactly what the usage rates are between the two of them. I know that Luca's crazy right now with his usage rate, but gets, I mean, SGA has the most drives per game in the league. It's like 29 drives to the basket yep. per game. Um, great facilitator. Like you said, he's very strong. Um, I haven't honestly watched a ton of the Thunder, but you know, when I've checked in on League Pass, they're always competitive, right? Yep. And, and that's kind of what you want. Um, with they're competitive and they're well coached. Uh, and those yep. things are clearly tied together. Um, you know, compared to some of the other rebuilding teams um that are painful to watch because they don't have a game plan, they don't have an offensive or defensive scheme. That's not the Thunder. Um, you know. I don't, I don't know exactly how far they are away from getting back to the playoffs, um, but they're closer than a lot of other uh, teams that are rebuilding. Yeah, I, I legitimately think if, and it's a big if, but if Chet is healthy next year, um, I, I think this Thunder team gets there. That's how high I am on them, and I, I feel like that probably isn't a popular take, and I, that's all well knowing how good the West is top to bottom. But, um, yeah. Question what, for you. Yeah, let's hear it. Who won the trade? The SGA Paul George trade. First off, I think uh, I think sometimes we can get caught up in like who won, um, and sometimes I think both teams can. Uh, but if you're, I, I don't even know if this is one of those cases though. Like the Thunder did. Um, obviously, they got to capitalize on those picks, but like I, I know, and I know it's a different timeline. But like, yes, Paul George is better right now, but. Obviously, SGA is the better long-term piece, and then you get all those picks on top of, uh, on top of him. I mean, I I don't, I know they got Paul George, but like, if you can lose a trade in which you get Paul George, that's that's obviously the trade. Okay. Where you at on that? Uh, I mean, I I just feel a certain type of way because. I have to hear nonstop about the Anthony Davis trade being an utter failure for the Lakers, but the Lakers want a title. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that, that's what matters. And the Clippers, you know, haven't done that and just kind of begs the question. I I think it's interesting. Obviously the Thunder need to do something with those picks. They got, you know, they, they got the Clippers first in 22, 24, 26, the Miami first, in 21 23 and then pick swaps with the clippers in 23 and 25 which honestly they might use those those pick swaps depending on how the next couple of years go 100%. Um, so it kind of remains to be seen but 
but SGA looks elite, elite. Um, yeah. And I'm happy to see him healthy and playing this year. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. What What else? Anything else? Um, I mean, we, we can talk about the Cavs. I, I know we're going to talk about the Cavs a little bit later. Um, there's nothing else glaring that, that really comes to mind for no. me. I mean, the the only other thing, I, I got a chance to watch, uh, you know, both different versions of the Timberwolves the last couple of nights, the one where they had Rudy and the one where they didn't have Rudy. <clears throat> and it's going to take a lot of time if it ever does come together with Rudy and Kat. Um, you know, it, it just – there's no offensive symmetry. They don't really know what's going on. Um, and then you watch the game last night. Granted, it was against Houston. But, I mean, the T-Wolves dropped like 130 points with no Gobert. Um, yeah. Just look up. Everyone knew what to do in their roles. Yeah, Much more space on the floor, obviously. Um, but in my mind, they're going to need to stagger Cat and Gobert because their yeah. offensive rating, granted, again, it's early, but it's like bottom five in the league when they're both yeah. on the floor. So I, I wasn't able to catch that uh, Rockets game last night. And I. so for me, that Rockets team on the road is just a mess. So we'll, for me, I, I got to see it. <laughs> But when I when I I have seen a lot of the T wolves with both Rudy and and Cat, and that was just a disaster, a disaster, bro. What like, would you do? I mean, to dig, dig into your into your your coaching toolbox a little bit. What would what would be your um, avenue for success with them? I think first off, I, I think you mentioned it. I and we'll talk to it. We'll talk about it with the Cavs too. But I have no idea uh, why some coaches don't stagger like some they'll just like go full bench or full start. So first off, I would split them up a pretty decent amount. Obviously, you know, we've already made the trade. Um but Jesus. Now that he, now that now that he's here, I I think you got to split them up. Um in terms of the defense, it it's really tough because Cat anytime he's on someone in the like not in the directly in the paint, any sort of action that is run well is able to put cat in a situation that you just don't want him in. So I, I, I don't really even know, like to me, I, like I'd be, I'd be working on his own damn near with, with all that size, but it's not like, it's not like D'Lo and Ant really help either. You know, like that they, they, they don't really stop the ball. They're not good at, at stopping the ball. Like, so, I, I, to be completely honest, I don't know what the fuck I would do. I would just try and stagger him as much as possible and try to have Cat in positions. On, on I'd try to have anytime Cat is on the floor and Rudy's on the floor, you've got to put him on the – whoever it is, got to put him on the guy who's the wor- – not the worst shooter because Rudy will be on him, but someone who is not a threat or at least not an elite threat and just hope that him being able to play lower in the paint on those guys is going to help your defense. But I don't really know, bro. Chris, Chris Finch has a, has an issue on his hands. I'm I'm not sold on this team at all. And I, I know it won't be as bad as it's looked, uh, but like there are ways away, you know, it's not like it's a little thing or it's, you know, there are, there are ways away. Like that, legitimately, I don't think even people realize how bad it is. You go look at their wins. They haven't beat, like, have they beaten a good team? I may have missed it, but like, 
I legit don't think they've beat a single good team. Um, and they're lucky they're not, you know, they're, no, they're lucky they're they're at... one win or two wins. If the schedule wasn't as kind as it's been, it, it's not good. They're, I mean, uh, yeah, they're, um, their wins are the Thunder twice. One of those Spurs, SGA and Giddy were out. And the Rockets. Yeah. And even that Lakers game, um, like, it was pretty close. Yeah. And they were at home. Like, it, they have not looked good for any so, stretch. So, with Cat and Rudy, again, it's only two weeks into the season, a little bit over two weeks into the season. But, I mean, at some point, there is a sample size to start looking at this stuff. So, Rudy and Cat have been on the court together for 424 possessions. Um, they have a minus 6.4 net rating, uh, which is in the 21st percentile. Where is that coming in on um, offensing, offensive and defensive? Like, wh- what is their offensive rating and defensive rating? Yeah, so their defensive rating is actually good, but okay. their offensive rating is in the 10th percentile, which – I mean, okay. you know, you probably could have expected, right? Yeah. I, sorry, it's actually in the sixth percentile. Yeah. Uh, but when they're both on the court, they're averaging 101.9 points per 100 possessions. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. How, like, when I'm watching them, yeah, it, it just feels like almost every time they score, it's it's not a sustainable bucket. It's a bucket that comes from Cat being really talented or Ant being really talented or a defensive breakdown. It's it rarely feels like they're getting into rhythm looks in the half court based off of a structure, and you just can't rely like, and and Rudy's already down there, so you you have a big man down there already, even if Ant is able to beat his guy, you know it's just yeah, uh, I think I, we didn't even realize how I didn't even realize you know necessarily how bad the offense has been too, so. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't. I know it's early, um, and I'm not even really a hot take guy. But I, I don't see this team making the playoffs. I, I really don't. Um, Dude, and, and their their win total over under was like forty eight and a half or something yeah, like that. Pretty high. It's pretty damn like at this point, they're they're getting nowhere close to it. And seemingly, like who knows what's going to happen in this division? But this division's been super competitive to start the year. You yep. know, we kind of went into the season being like, all right. Utah, Portland, and OKC and are going to be cupcakes. Yeah, and, and, and now they're not. None Plus of them. Denver. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. All right. Uh, before we, before we even move on, I I also want to say I, I I've been impressed. Um, I've I've okay, maybe not impressed, but I I've had fun watching Indiana and Orlando too. Um, Orlando has no guards right now, and they're just grinding. They're just grinding. Palo's. You know, we talked about it last pod. He's as good as advertised, if not better. Uh, it's been great to see Bull Bull actually be able to translate his tools into, you know, helping his team win. Wendell Carter looks great again. Uh, Franz has been great. It, it's just a really together group. I know it hasn't turned into wins, um, but I've had fun watching them. And Indiana, I thought they were going to suck. I can't even lie. I thought they could be the worst team in the league. And they're not good by any means, but I think I underestimated – Tyrese as a offensive engine um and I think I underestimated Isaiah Jackson and, and Jalen Smith so um they've actually I I want to say they've had a little bit of a rough go of it but in the two weeks since we've watched I've watched plenty of games where I've actually come away like hey that was actually a decent stretch of basketball um even if I feel like 
some of those games were against bad teams also. But um, Well, I, I think similarly to Utah, I mean, Buddy Heald has been really, really good for the Pacers so far this season. And then Miles Turner has been good when he's been healthy so far. Can you hear me okay? Oh, you're muted. Sorry, bro. My TV just all of a sudden out of nowhere just started going off. Like it's blasting. It's blasting. And I, I did not touch it. And I'm like all cozy. And I'm trying to pause the pod. There we go. Yeah, have me update Zoom too. Yes. Yeah, so, sorry about that. All right. Um, dude, I don't even know where we were at. You you were talking about the Pacers and then my my TV went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the, the Pacers have been, like you were saying, they've been more competitive than I think, you know, it's kind of like that trend with all these tanking teams. They've been just much more outside of Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, they've just been more competitive than we could have anticipated. But I think similarly to Utah, you know, they do have a couple of established NBA players that are playing heavy rotation minutes for them, right? I mean, you have yeah. Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, you know, TJ McConnell, guys that have kind of been around the block for a bit yeah um and, and those, similarly to they Utah, matter they matter oh they definitely matter but yeah. it kind of begs the question right in this tank for victor at what point do you stop playing those guys or look to move them yeah. uh and now with miles turner it's been three years or so that they've been looking to move him but yeah. i mean guys like buddy healed are actively hurting the tanking process that they have for but sure. it kind of goes back to that conversation that we've had in the past about like you know, he's probably benefiting guys like Duarte and Andrew Nemhard and Halliburton being around them. For sure. Um, so. At what point does that start to, you know, the other side of it start to outweigh the, the positives of it? So I'm with you for sure. Um, right. All right. It's getting to buy and sell, bro. I got, we got three team, three different teams, three different situations. Um, I want to start with the Cavs. Are you buying or selling the idea that they are I know I put I put title contender. So let's say top five. And if your answer is yes, then top three. When when we did a podcast last year, I told you that Cleveland had a shot of getting to the finals last year, and that was without Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I thought they were that good last year and they just weren't on the map. And I was clearly watching them more than most people were. But this team was well on its way to being a top four seed in the East before Jared Allen went down and before Evan Mobley went down. And they just ended up getting fucked with their seeding. But, I mean, this team is good. It is really, really good. And they still don't have Rubio back yet. And Kevin Love is an elite off-the-bench scorer. Um, You know, and it looks like Donovan Mitchell is fully bought in on both sides of the basketball. Darius Garland is an absolute top five or six offensive engine in the league, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and then you have the tree trunks down low with Mobley yeah. and Allen. I, I don't don't really know where you look if you were looking to improve this team. I don't even know where you would go because I think they're solid Dude. around the uh, you know and, around the board. And that's not even taking into account that like uh, honestly off the dome i don't know what he's shooting this year 
But in the games I've seen, Karis LeVert is much improved. Um, he's actually making right reads. He's not just head down. Uh, I'm just trying to score at all costs. They have everything. They have everything. And I think JB Bickerstaff. Yeah. I, okay. Let's even go back to last your last year and your point. I think I think that gets lost on people. You just look. You see, oh, they lost in the play-in. That doesn't even come close to telling the whole story. Consistently throughout the year, they outperformed the the talent that they had on the court all year long. Like, if if they weren't as good as they actually were last year, with the situations that they went through, they easily could have been at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. But they weren't because of that coaching and that uh, just a system that's in place. Two... I, we go back to the staggering thing. JB's such a good coach, bro. One of DG or Donovan, always on the floor. One of Evan or Jared Allen, always on the floor. Like the rotations are tight. There's never really any, because I watch these, or I bet these games, I watch these games, and a lot of these coaches have four to five minute stretches sometimes where it's like, okay, like I get the bench players have to play, but like, this unit is going to consistently lose in the minutes that they're out there. Why are we doing this? Um, and you just never have that that issue. They stagger their guys perfectly. And DG and Donovan, between the two of them, someone is always just putting pressure on the rim. I've never, like, these guys are undersized, and they're always putting pressure on the rim. And you talked about it too. For undersized guards as well, they get to the line so much for, for their stature. So they have everything. They really do. Maybe you could say, all right, add like one more shooter around him. Uh, but this absolutely is a title contender. I, at this point, I wouldn't even – I mean, it might be a little disrespectful to the Bucks, but like at this point to me, they're right there, you know, as as the number one team. Them or the Bucks or the Suns. I've been so impressed. And uh, I know it's been a small sample size, but it's not a fluke. It's not a fluke. This team's so good. And I, I love watching them play. There's no, there's no, and you can tell there's no agendas. Like w- when they're going, if there's someone open, it's the ball's getting there eventually, right? There's so many teams where I'm watching and there's a guy wide open and <clears throat> someone's just going to, you know, someone just wants that shot a little bit more. If someone is open, the ball eventually finds them in Cleveland. And it's so dangerous because there is someone consistently open with, the way that Donovan and, and Darius have been playing. So love yep. this team. And and JB did the same thing last year. Like he would always have either DG or Rubio on the court until Rubio got hurt. And then and it was like he would always have DG and Karis or DG or Karis on the court at all times. Yeah. Um and you kind of see it with these teams that have coaches that do not, you know, shuffle their players that way you have the bench unit come in and they give up an 8-1 run or a, yeah. you know a 10-3 run and all of a sudden all the work that your starters put in is gone um <laughs> so fresh but yeah i mean that like like the Cavs, they've had some legit wins they've beaten the celtics twice they beat the knicks they blew out the bulls on the road the one loss they have this season was on the road in toronto by three where they lost Darius garland in the second quarter Yep. And what's really scary about this team is that, I mean, their lineups this season are net rating plus 11 and a half, but they don't have one lineup yet that's played more than 100 possessions together. So not only does this team that has played together last year 
have not played a lot together this year. But I mean, this is the first couple of weeks of incorporating Donovan Mitchell, you yeah. know, multi-time all-star into yeah. this lineup. So I think where they're at right now is only the the precipice. Like they're going to continue to improve. They're already eight and one. They've played a lot of road games road so games, far. Yeah. DG's been hurt. Um, I don't know, man. And, and then talk about Evan Mobley. I mean, eight blocks the other night. Yeah. Like he's just beginning to tap into what he's going to be defensively. Um, along with, like we had mentioned before, Kevin Love playing just out of his mind. Yeah. Uh, and, and and this is not a fluke for Kevin Love. Like he he was obviously hurt. He sat out one of the seasons, but dating back to like you know early last season, he's been this guy. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I don't really see them going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I've been super impressed. Yeah, they they've been to me the best team. Um, and they're gonna finish first or second in the East, depending obviously on health. But I mean, you've you've seen it. They they could survive honestly a mini week or two stretch without as long as one of DG or or Donovan are playing. That team's gonna be elite. Um, all right, so I'll take I'll take it. You're buying that. Um, and, and really, really quick, really quick on yeah. DG, like DG is a pass first facilitating point guard he's not a scoring guard but the situation that happened last year first with sexton and then with rubio like the reps the on-ball reps that dg got as a go-to number one score is going to be so important because there's going to be nights when donovan mitchell can't be that guy um and you kind of see it often with, with teams that have a pass first point guard and their go-to scores not getting it done that night who do they turn to and if that is the case with the Cavs, that's not going to be an issue because they had a guy in Darius Garland that averaged 25 points a game last year. No. Um, and now he can kind of take a step back, which it doesn't look like he has so far this year. I mean, he dropped 30 yeah. today. Um, but, I mean, it's just scary. It's a very scary and young core. No, I, I love that, bro. And I, I, that, I think that distinction is important. Um, you know, last year he had to score a little bit more just because of the situation they were in at a certain point, really like he was the only real scoring option on that team. And so uh, absolutely he's, he's got, but he's super comfortable in the facilitator role. Whereas Donovan's more the other way around, but Donovan's not a bad passer at all either. Um, he's not DG level, but yeah, scary team, bro. Um, and, and they're so yeah, like this, this team is going to be really good for a really long time. Um, all right, let's go to the, where do you want to go next, bro? Jazz or Blazers? Let's go Blazers. Sure. All right. So I'm I'm phrasing the question as I guess, are you buying the Blazers as a five seater better? So for me, uh, a top half, I mean, you could say for a, a top half playoff team in the West. Are you buying that or selling that? Uh, I know you've watched 90% of their games. Uh, I mean, it's not as crazy of a question as it would have been two weeks ago. For sure. Um, I still think that they're like a guy or two short. Um, when they go to the bench, it still feels paper thin. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's with Justice Winslow and Shaden Sharp playing out of their minds to start yeah. the season. Um, there's still a couple guys short that seems like the other top 
echelon, like compare them to a team like Memphis that runs a legit 12 deep, whereas the Blazers run like seven deep. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I would, I would probably say they'll, they'll fit in at like six or seven when it all, you know, gets set and done. Um, but who knows? Like, it, depending on how Dame was playing and the defense is just so much better than it was last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dame, before he went down, was playing at like an MVP level. Um, so I don't know. But I, I would, if gun to my head, I'd probably say like a six or seven seed. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. But I, I think even that, like, that's a that's a better outcome than I expected coming into the year. I, I wasn't sure you know, Anthony off the ball. And I know Anthony still has to kind of figure that out. But uh yeah, the defense. The defense on on any given night is is just so much better, so much tighter. Um and you know, I looked at the personnel and I, I wasn't really sure that that was going to be the case. Again, you I mean you still look at it. There's besides Josh Hart in that starting lineup, I don't feel like anyone there's a real actual plus defender. Um I think event. Grant's a plus defender. I don't know that I don't know that I think that, but well, I mean, I you, you got to think like part of it is with Jeremy Grant, but like the when he was when he was with Denver, like he was the defense energy guy, right? And so mm-hmm. he was always put on like in short short uh, bursts, like hey, you go defend the best player, give him hell. Now because he garnered that reputation in every subsequent team that he's been a part of he's always guarding the premier wing on every other team. And so when you look at individual numbers, like, of course, he's going to give up numbers to the best, you know, offensive creator that a team has. But like, I've watched a lot of, I mean, I've watched every Portland game. He's a great connective defender. I'm not sure if he's great one-on-one at this point, but he kind of commands the defense. Like make sure that people are in the right spots, which is a challenging thing to do, you know, when you're on a team like Portland, which has a lot of negative defenders, right? Yeah. You have guys like Dame, Simons. You have a fucking 19-year-old rookie that hasn't played basketball in a year, getting like 25 minutes a night. And so he's been that connective piece with Hart um, that I think that the more this team plays together, I think the defense will continue to be strong. Um, For sure. That's my I, piece on it. I – um. I think just like everyone, I think I have, um, you know, just biases that I've garnered throughout the year and um, or not even throughout the year, you know, just throughout my time watching. Um, And maybe I haven't given them enough credit for for the defense, Um, but I'll I'll make sure to look, you know, moving forward. I'm trying to look like so. And and by the way, the the defense is not. Not like they're calling it's absolutely their offense yeah but just comparatively to, to like yeah. what it was last year like yeah. right all they need it to be is like a middle of the pack you know defense where as like, like last year they gave up like 120 points for 100 possessions this year it's like 110 yeah um so and then like talking about the offense the offense is nuts when it's Dame, Simon's heart, Grant, and Nurk. Like, it's just, I, I hope everyone stays healthy because yeah. that offense is electric. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm, end of the day, I think I'm in a similar spot. Uh, I could see five of things really break right. 
I think they settle in the six, seven spot where if they do get to the plan, they, they should take care of business in that first game. Um, but obviously, you know, Dame's got to get healthy. Dame's got to get healthy. They're not, they're not going to be one of those teams that's able to, in my eyes, at least withstand a month injury to Dame or a yeah. three week injury to Dame. All right. Take a quick break, bro. And I'll send you another invite. All right. Um, I know we, you know, I, I know we already talked about him last pod um, in terms of like, Hey, how real, how legit is this jazz team? And I think we were both kind of on the same page of uh, yeah, right now they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be tough to beat. Um, but at a certain point in the season, whether it be injuries or maybe they hit a little bit of a rut, they can maybe turn that into a little bit of a tank job. Um we're sitting here two weeks later. That time has definitely not come yet. Um, so I'm curious for, for you sit, sitting at, I believe, seven and three. Some impressive wins. They beat up on some bad teams too. But um, at this point in time, they seem legit. Are you buying or selling them as a team that will be the final in the final eight teams when it comes after the play-ins are all done and, and over with in the West? I think this iteration of the Jazz maybe. Like the, the team For that sure they this currently iteration. have. But we exactly uh, that's part of the question. We don't know if this right, iteration yeah. is how long this lasts. Yeah. I I think again, like this team's gonna sell off at some point. Like the, so, that's just what the plan was. Do they have any other picks in this this next draft? Did any of the picks they get are they for this draft besides their own? Let's check it out. I'm not yeah. sure. If, if their only pick this year is there <laughs> ever since go ahead um so they no they have the utah they have their own they have the least favorable of the nets sixers and rockets and then they also have the timberwolves this year yeah shit that timberwolves pick actually could be money the obviously you have the you know the Sixers in there, but like you know the outcome of those three from the off season to now is looking miles better than you know what you would have thought. Um, yeah, bro, I I think I think it's gonna be hard. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's really hard if you have a basketball team that's gen like and you watch them. It's a similar thing with the Cavs, and obviously they're winning, so that's part of it. But like both those teams are playing with so much joy. Like, I, I just think it's hard if they are continuing in that to sell these players on, hey, guys, like, uh, can you sit even though you're not hurt? Like, I, if the injuries come, and they generally do at some point, that's one thing. But, like, they are all loving it. They are all bought in. They are all having a blast. Like, I, I, th- I think it's hard to shut that down. I, I do. I don't. Okay. Explain. I so how would let, you even go take, about that? Let, let's take let's take the this Utah team and then the team that we always use as a reference for teams that should be tanking but didn't tank, the Timberwolves team from a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- they got off to solid start, then they kind of faded back to the middle of the pack, and we were like, are they going to tank? Or are they going to try to make the playoffs? They tried to make the playoffs. That was great. The difference between this Utah team and that Timberwolves team is that Timberwolves team was made up 
of a young core that they had in place that they wanted to give that experience, similar to the Memphis Grizzlies, who were made up of a younger core, right? That Timberwolves team had Jaden McDaniels, it had Ant, it had Carl Anthony Towns, it had Vando. This Utah team is succeeding because they have established NBA players with 10 years of experience getting 30 minutes a game. So, like, okay. that's kind of the, the differentiating factor. Utah doesn't have that core pillar 1A young guy that's getting these minutes. They have Colin Sexton. They have Vando, THT, Walker Kessler, Malik Beasley. But the guys that are getting consistent minutes and winning basketball games for them are Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Olynyk, Laurie Markkinen, Mike Conley, like guys that have NBA, they're good players. That's why they're winning games. Right. So that's kind of the the differentiator. Like, let's not blow your pickup for the sake of these guys that are established winning basketball games. Okay. I I get what you're saying there. And I was, I was wondering, yeah, what you meant in terms of why that mattered. And you're what, let me just make sure I'm clear. You're saying because there's a clear difference in, you know, the, the, constructs of, of how they've built this team and because the jazz are older it makes more sense to say all right let's cut this off whereas these guys you already know you're building with them and they're going to be there next year yeah, too. exactly right? i mean i mean s- similar similar to that memphis team right that memphis team had john they had bain and they had clark like guys that you knew that you had drafted recently that you wanted to give this experience to for sure like these these Utah players are like some of them are holdovers and some of them were just throw-ins and trades. Like right. their goal, just because they got off to a 700 winning percentage the first 10 games of the season, in my mind, thinking big picture, they shouldn't be changing what their goal was coming into the start of the season, which was to suck. Now, that doesn't mean that they need to like bench marketing or, or trade first, Conley right no. now. Like let it ride out for a little bit, see how long it lasts. And who knows, like if it gets to the, the all-star break or not, that's all I'm saying. 40 games into the season, 30 games into the season. If it seems legit, then maybe, but what's the absolute peak for this team anyways? What is it? A seven seed? I I totally get what you're saying. I think my devil's advocate to that. And uh, I think my reference point would be, and I'd be curious to see, you know, what you'd say the differences are, because there are some differences are the thunder um the cp3 thunder where they were never going to really challenge for anything meaningful they had some younger players and i'd still point to like yes they are mostly vets but i can still point to guys like Sexton, laurie vando who i want here long term still who are still young enough um where a run like that can and i, I would say i honestly think that run had a lot of impact on sga i, I really think that helped him as a winning player long term and they didn't really have much else there besides those guys but i think if you have a team that is playing the it's so hard to win in this league and if you have a team that's actually figured out how to consistently play good basketball that it's hard to break it up off the basis of just like especially if you like at a certain point you have to really really tank like let's say this continues even for like another 15, 20 games where they're playing the level of basketball that they're playing right now. I feel like it's almost too far gone in terms of like 
you're probably not going to be able to tank your, especially this year with the other teams that exist, your way to a uh, top three lotto odds and uh, a year where you, you know, really build some chemistry guys get, did get better. Um, and then, you know, off season comes off of like, let's say you go to the playoffs and actually make a little bit of noise. I think then in the off season, the off season comes, yeah, your pick may be, you know, 17 instead of eight or seven, but you go and are able to deal maybe a Clarkson for a little bit more or Conley for a little bit more. Cause you have some data on like, look at how big of a role they played on a, on a really good team. But I get what you're saying. But the, I do. So, so to counter that point, for, yeah. first off, a couple things. So the point that you made about the Thunder, mm-hmm. it did make an impact on SGA clearly. But in my opinion, I don't think that the, the Jazz have anyone close mm-hmm. to the caliber of what SGA is. Like that Thunder run made sense to go with that three-guard lineup of CP, Schroeder, and SGA and make that run to give SGA that experience because he's a crazy talented player. Mm-hmm. I don't see anyone on, on – and there, there's another difference is it's not like they're giving a ton of room to younger players on this team anyways. Okay. Like they are but why does it? Getting... Why do you need an SGA for it to be something worthwhile doing? Like why? Like why can't it be worthwhile for because... – younger players who are still important to your team, but maybe not SGA level because you win in the league with stars and they don't have anyone on the team close to star level. And if you don't tank and say you get the picks like a 17 or a 14 or a 15, you have a, a lower chance of getting a star at that point. They and got so, so many picks. Like, why do does it have, have to so be many this, picks. this pick, you know, like they, uh, go ahead, go ahead. So, so they do have so many picks, but if those picks aren't top, top picks, it's not like they're amazing picks then. Like, and to go on your, your, your second point about like the data points to show that Conley and Clarkson and whoever, like, I mean, Conley's been in the league for 15 years. Like he's 35 years old, making $24 million a year. Clarkson is what he is like those guys have both played major roles in the NBA on playoff rosters in the past I don't think them getting older and showing that they can drag the Utah Jazz to a play-in team is raising their trade value necessarily maybe with Conley to show that he's healthy they want to give Conley enough run to show other teams that he's healthy yeah but so with that row like I, I get what you're saying like yeah, you, you're the whole perception isn't changing, um, but I think it really just takes one. Like there's, it just takes one team that you can buy into. Hey, this guy really elevates, and I, I do think having a year again, we don't know how it plays out, but like if the Utah Jazz are in the playoffs, I, I do think that Jordan Clarkson and Conley have a little bit more to sell with them, and especially because it just takes one, and I think. With the other thing, I, I get what you're saying, bro. It would be one thing for me if, like, okay, you could tank and, like, all right, you're guaranteed one or two. I I don't know that I, – I just – I can't – and I know we just kind of differ on this in general. This is the same kind of, like, you know, philosophy that we keep coming back to as the positive effects of tanking and the, the positives of building that culture. But I, I just think at a certain point, I, I, especially with the where the lotto is, like obviously if you are able to land a four or five, cool. But I, I just, 
I don't see that. And so if there's if there's really good basketball being played, and there are some guys like Laurie, Vando, uh, Sexton, who you really think can be a part of your team, a winning team later. I I I just think it's really hard to to shut all that down. I I do, especially when you still have this. You know, so many teams that I think are going to be able to fully tank this out a lot harder than us. Yeah, I just disagree. I I think <clears> that this team has gotten off to a, a decent start, and they've had some legit wins. Like, don't get me wrong; they haven't been fluke wins. I just struggle to see the long term purpose of what they're doing. Um. Because I don't think it's groundbreaking news to say that they don't have anyone in their building that they're going to look to necessarily build around as their star. Um, And that should be your goal if you're a team that's not competing for a title, right? Is looking to find someone that you can build your team around, not a bunch of like, you know, C-level, B-level players. Um, Sure. That's just my opinion. I I get you. I just think it's overvaluing one of like, all these firsts that they have. And it's like, we have all these picks. If we do our jobs scouting wise, we are going to find some of these guys. Let's continue to build on the basketball court with what do you have? But that might just be like me being a head coach too. Like, and just like seeing it more from that perspective. But I, I get and, what and you're I saying. understand it. Like, I mean, we, we just had examples of it working out, right? With like Memphis and with Minnesota who are now like, you know, Minnesota, two years later, they go all in because they yeah. think that they're good enough. Um, just my, the only thing that I, I see as a difference is I don't. The personnel. I that think that have. this, this yeah, the personnel. The yeah. personnel is a lot older and more established. Got you. So before we move on, and I I love this. I honestly, it's fun when we disagree for once. But um, how would you approach this then? Like, I know it's, you know, we don't know the future. We don't know how the injuries are going to play out. But let's say they're not hurt let's say okay maybe you have some nagging stuff conley misses for some rest but let's say laurie's good to go sexton's good to go clarkson's healthy kelly vando these guys are healthy how do you kind of tone it how do you pull the reins back how how would you try to do that is it as simple as saying you're you you and you are resting back to backs or you got a nick let's make sure you're right for a week like i guess how would you approach that well, I would start with moving Conley as soon as possible. Like okay. if Conley has shown us anything the last half decade, it's that he can't stay healthy. So since he has been good and he has been able to play 30 minutes a night, you got to move on from him while you can. I mean, it's kind of the dilemma that the Indiana Pacers faced with Brogdon. Like they, they were looking to trade Brogdon for years and he couldn't stay healthy. And they, you know, they end up trading him for like love. Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. Oh um, they got nothing so, like, for Brogdon and he looks so nothing. good. Right. And no, he looks great because he's healthy. Yeah. But like if I'm Utah, that's first and foremost, like you got okay. a point guard that's taking heavy usage and minutes away from everyone else that could potentially be ball handling. That's 35 years old. He's set to make 22 million and 24 million this year and next. And he's healthy right now playing very good basketball. Yeah. So that would be the first guy that I would look to move. And then I think that, you know, contenders can always use shooting and, and guys that can extend to the perimeter. And so I would probably look to move Olenek. And I think that Olenek and Clarkson have legit trade value. I mean, yeah. guys that have played in the postseason, 
Uh, I mean, they're not great defensively, so maybe they wouldn't net a huge haul necessarily. Um, But I would, to answer your question, I I would start with with Conley for sure. And see, I think just moving Conley would make a big difference because I don't necessarily look at this team as having like very many primary ball handlers. Like you have after after Conley, you have like Clarkson and you have Sexton, right? And it's like, we kind of saw the Sexton experiment at point guard in Cleveland for two and a half years. Um, And then Clarkson's just a gunner. So I think that if you remove the primary pass first, knows how to run a legit offense point guard, it gets ugly. The team will get worse. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And and if you do go with that approach, um, Utah's like a one-stop shop for any, you need a, you need a off the bu- off the bench bucket. We got one for you. You need a stretch four. Right. We got one for you. Like they've got plenty of role players to to sell. And and I guess my thought with any tanking team or any what we think <clears throat> is a tanking team, like you want to give reps to guys that are younger, like guys that maybe had a big recruiting pedigree or or a big college pedigree. Yeah talented young player to the league for a reason like you want to see what you got with them and then be able to make a decision on whether or not they're a part of your mold long term um you know and and they're just not totally i mean they're able to do it with vando it looks like they're getting sexton involved a little bit but i want to see those guys in 25 30 minute a night type roles to see what they've got because like you said they have so many draft picks the next couple of years they're gonna have to make decisions on these guys you don't want to make a decision on him without seeing what you got. Yeah. I mean, and, and to your point, you know, you're, you get a guy who is back. I, I don't know if he's lotto, but if he wasn't, he was right out after that in O'Shea. Uh, yep. And he's not Kessler, even really playing. Thing. He's not even really playing. So I, I get, I get you for sure. I, um, I guess the, I, I just don't want to see this team or maybe I do. Cause I might think it's funny. Like if they get to the point where they are, say they're, you know, 31 and, and 24. No, I guess that's too far into the season. Say they're, they're, yeah. say they're 24 and 17, right? Um, I just wouldn't want to get – I'm envisioning a scenario where they start buying at the deadline, right? Like they, they start roll. like, like let, let's start pushing more pieces in because we think that our team is, is talented enough. But even if it was 24 and 17, or let's make it more extreme. Let's say it was 28 and, and 13, like I still probably wouldn't be sold that this team is title good enough. Yeah. So you don't want to be like selling young pieces or trading picks. No, you know what I mean? I don't. Need, I don't think it'll ever get get that bad. Like I don't think I we'll mean, get but, to the point the, where they're buying. But that's why we're having the conversation, right? Because they're playing yeah. too good. So at what point does this For too sure. good basketball end? I, I get you. I, I just think it's in the NBA. It's not as much like baseball, where like, all right, if you're contending, you, you're buying in some capacity like i think they can hold and hopefully still be in the mix i i would hope i would hope that they don't ever reach a point where they say all right let's let's deal some of these picks we got so, dude. To, to, to make a little run um i, I also right. think r- really quick last yeah, go one, ahead. We've, we've talked about the jazz for way way longer than i thought we were going to but it was a good discussion I also think part of it is like you, you've had other teams that we expected to be good, get off to slower starts. You're talking about For the sure. Warriors and the Timberwolves and the Clippers and the Pels to an extent. Um, 
I think that that will begin to normalize. Normalize. Yeah. I'm with you. So completely with you. But I, I, I will say like, and I know you've said it too. In terms of what the basketball that's been played, it hasn't been fluky, but no, for every, dude, for Will Hardy, yeah, Will Hardy looks like a great coach. A great coach. A great coach. Yeah. Um, I'm with you, bro. All right, this question honestly is not exciting at all, but we got to talk about it. Um, I know we've spent a lot of time uh talking about. It. I actually had the Clippers in my top five power rankings. That aged has aged so terribly. Um, but we have. I I'd say I this the Clippers have actually kind of turned it up recently. But I'd still say over dude. No, I, I don't worry. Two I, wins know, against the I know. Rockets. I know. I'm just saying they've won three in a row. They've won three in a row. Um, Clippers, Sixers, probably two of the bigger disappointments uh, for me to start the year. Who are you more worried about? And just in general, give me your thoughts. I know we talked at decent length about, hey, you're, you're ready to move on from Doc. <laughs> I'm not. Um, where are you at on them? Where are you at on the Clippers? And who are you more worried about long term? I mean, Doc – Doc bought himself some time with the Harden injury for sure. Cause you know, Maury can definitely spin it as like, Oh yeah, we went 500 this last month, but Harden's yeah. been hurt, you know? So let's give doc two more months. Yeah. I don't think he's getting fired so, unless he gets Philly. Philly's kind of on pause for me for now, like to kind of just see how it plays out. I mean, Maxie's amazing. Like that's my takeaway from Philly yeah. is Maxie's just ridiculous. Um, their bench is still terrible, um, but, you know, kind of is what it is. Like uh, the, the conversation that we were having about Melton and the role that he was going to have to play coming off the bench and in that offense in general, that's yeah. also been put on pause because now that he's in the same lineup and they're not playing Harden ball, he's been great. Uh, I was going to say that the Harden Harden's playing well, it's just, he changes everyone else's rhythm. Everything. He, yep. You know, it, it's just weird to, yes, he is a, an amazing on-ball basketball player, but it's, it's, it's not enough. It's just not enough. And I think they're honestly, I think they're going to go on a baby run post this Harden injury. I think it frees everyone up. Joel kind of just gets to go back to who he was last year. And then it'll be interesting when Harden comes back, you know, what that looks like. Um, I mean, dude, it it was it's the same exact team that it was last year before Harden, and now they yeah. have Melton. So yep. the and whole MVP thing, team. yeah. Oh, dude, they were like top two in the top two in the East. Yep, and Max is um, better. And Max is yeah, even yeah. better. So the whole Embiid thing's been really weird to start the year. Um, yeah, you know, between the plantar fasciitis and like, the illness, yes. and yeah. I don't know. I feel like people are starting to like turn on mb a little bit like i've heard on multiple different podcasts people just kind of they have this resentment towards mb for like how hard his like pr team pushed to get him the mvp last season and the season prior have you noticed that at all uh i i have seen some stuff but like to me it's like Okay, the dude had an MVP year. He wanted to win the MVP. Even if you're annoyed by it, like, are we gonna just pretend like he's not who he is on the basketball court? No, t totally. And, and I agree. I just thought it was it was interesting. I, the whole Philly thing. I'm just yeah. super lukewarm on it. And dude, <laughs> yeah. 
trust me. I mean, you know, you want them to podcast. I picked yeah. them to go to the finals last no, year. 100%. Like I, I guess I just, I don't know. But to answer answer whatever the the prompt of the question was, I am way 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 more concerned about the Clippers than I am with the Sixers. Really? Um, I mean, I spoke to it last podcast where <laughs> I had them nowhere close to my top five, and it's kind of bared itself out. Like, yes. Oh, it has bared three itself straight up. wins against the the Rockets twice and the Spurs. Uh, now they get the upstart Utah Jazz tonight. Yeah, that'll home. be a fun one. That'll um, be a fun one. But I mean, just got an underdog notification. No, no timeline for Kawhi Leonard. Um, no timetable for a return. I should say for Kawhi Leonard. Um, and the team short. They have John Wall, who's here. I know they missed Marcus Morris for a couple of games this season, so maybe it's some chemistry stuff. But this team just looks a hell of a lot similar to last year's Clipper team, but just older. Um, and they there's been multiple games this season where they just don't have the size behind Zubats to defend anything in the paint. Um, and I know that Ty Lue and you know, Lawrence Frank wanted to build this kind of similar to like the Raptors where everything's switchable, but the Raptors have great defenders. The Clippers do not have great defenders. Um, You know, and and both of their stars are not always there. Um, So who knows? I mean, I I totally see a world in which come April and May, Kawhi and PG are healthy and they can compete against anybody out West. But I'm just, I see, I just don't have any confidence in, in this team on any given night. That's fair. Um, I, I know I've always been a little bit higher on them um, than you are. I think, I don't know, maybe there's some Laker, Clipper, big brother, little brother rivalry thing there. Or maybe that's I'm just sure there is. Yeah, baked in there a tiny bit. Um, but I, I can't lie, you know, the, the basketball has not been good. You know, it's been heavily relying on PG. It's not even like they're mid, like, you know, it's not even like they're missing shots or, you know, they just rarely have an offensive rhythm to me from what I've seen. And that might have – I honestly haven't watched the last three games. Watched a little bit of that Spurs one. Um, I think for me why I always I, – I, you know, I believed in them going to the bubble. That didn't work out. But I, I just really like Ty Lue. I really love Paul George. And I really love Kawhi Leonard. And I just think you have a good coach with two stars – I just am waiting. I'm just waiting. It hasn't been, it hasn't worked out for so long. They haven't been healthy for so long in which I should probably just be like, okay, well, that's kind of how it is. But I, for me, I just find myself waiting for the moment where both those guys are healthy and they can build a rhythm. And at that point, I imagine them to be really good, but that, that moment just keeps getting pushed back further and further and further. I, the Kawhi stuff is weird, bro, because he's he was off for so long. He said he wants to play. Like, I I don't, dude. It, it's I don't know what's I going swear, on. It, I don't know what's going on. It's turning into what happened in in San Antonio, like towards the end, where it was like differing reports were coming out, and then all of a sudden Kawhi's like, "I want to play," but the doctors say I'm not ready to play. Then yeah. Kawhi starts bringing in his own doctors that are like, he's totally fine. And yeah. then the next thing you know, Kawhi is sent to Toronto. 
Now, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen because clearly they gave up the farm yeah. to get PG and Kawhi together. You're getting that feeling, um, though, of post, you it's know, that what feeling of like, yeah. Like, have we ever seen anything like this? Like, I'm not sure if I've ever seen anything like this in the three major sports, let alone just the NBA. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the only thing that I can kind of see as being similar is like Steven Strasburg a little bit. Like with the Nationals, like yeah. got a fat contract coming off the World Series, and then like just hasn't, hasn't played. Played, and when he yeah. played, and it's just kind of weird. But I mean, you mentioned a couple great points, right? Like the offense hasn't looked good. That's correct. Per cleaning the glass, their offense ranks in the eighth percentile. They're scoring one hundred and three point two uh, points per one hundred possessions so far this season, and I think it goes back to you have 11 or 12 NBA rotation players Rota- that Tyloo's yeah. trying to give minutes to. And yeah. maybe he's doing it early in the season to figure out, all right, who's going to be my seven or eight for the playoffs. But he's done this the last couple of years, right? Where you have 10, 11, 12 guys getting minutes yeah. on any given night. Some nights you have Luke Kennard for 25. Other nights you have Terrence Mann That's for 20. We'll you throw see Nick Batum. coffee in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, DNP. It's yeah. just really weird. And so, like, this team, Kawhi's played in two games at this point. So he sh- there should be lineups that have played over 100 possessions together, and they don't. They have one lineup that's above 90. And that's Reggie Jackson, Norm Powell, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Zubats. Mm-hmm. 97, uh, 97 possessions together. A minus twenty one point six net rating. What is it? Is there any way to see what their best lineup has been thus far? What give it so, like a, at least a sample of like thirty minutes? So, the one that so it's their second their the lineup with the second most possessions is eighty nine. That's Reggie Jackson, Kennard instead of Powell with the other four, gotcha. um, and that's a plus twenty one point five. So Norm Powell's been terrible and Kennard's been great is what obviously that tells us. Yeah. Um, but I mean, realistically, their offense just hasn't been good. Paul George has had a couple good games, but he's not playing at the level that we're accustomed to yeah. Paul George playing at. Uh, Reggie Jackson, I mean, dude. <laughs> I yeah. mean, how would we think about Reggie Jackson if he didn't have that run in the playoffs? Yeah. Like, no, but before he came to LA, he, he was uh he was a joke, honestly. You know, a guy that got overpaid that we could all see like, hey, why are you paying this man this money, Detroit? And you know, and then Ty Lu kind of say, saved him. You still don't view him as an a, uh, you know, even a above average point guard in my eyes. But yeah, bro, like it, it's like this team is built like if Kawhi and, and PG are there, these role players can all step into roles in which they can be successful when it's just one of them you're asking i feel like you're just asking a little bit too much of each and every single one of them and even with pg right now i don't want to say it's pseudo get very mad but i I mean like he's on his way to eventually getting hurt with the usage and the load and what they're asking of him every single night without Kawhi or without Kawhi. it it just seems like we're, we're gonna get set up all over again for the same clipper story and it's just frustrating when you know generally what wins in this nba you have that template in theory there you just need the health and and the health just hasn't come dude and the thing with the clippers is like 
they very, very easily could have, they could have a worse record right now. I mean, the Lakers game opening night, the Lakers could have won that game. They were never up in Sacramento, up in Sacramento, the Kings or the Kings lost by two. Um, The Rockets on the road in LA blew a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter. Like this could be way worse. And they haven't played anybody good besides the Pelicans and the Suns, and they've lost by double digits to both of them. Yeah. I'm um, excited to it, see how tonight plays out. Well, in in the thing – yeah, me too with our Jazz. Yeah. Uh, the, the the thing is, is like, what is a what is a, a Kawhi return realistically look like? Like, this is a guy that's played 55 games in the last – two calendar years um you know what is the return if he has no timetable for a return and they capped him at 20 minutes in the two games that he played this year i mean you're behind the scenario is he like fully back to 30 minutes a game by the all-star break like oh that is is fully on best case scenario i don't think there's honestly a scenario where he's playing 30 plus minutes like right after the all-star break Given where we're at right now, if he if he has no, I mean to have no timeline, I I guess we're getting now into a day and age where like some teams are just do, saying that, so there's no pressure. But like, I feel like you, in you Kawhi's know, case, you give a time, you know, you you've had so much time. This is a case where you say, all right, it's it's just, it's just like a two three week thing. No also, time. like, what happened? Like, yeah, what, 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 what is going on? That's true. Two games what I read, decent. Yeah, what I read is that he was just feeling a little bit of soreness. But to me, that seems nor- like you haven't played in so long. Your body's not used to this. Like, uh, so maybe it was war- like a different type of soreness. I don't know. It's really weird. I, I, it seems like it is on the Clippers right now. Not, it's, it doesn't seem like Kawhi, like, I, I think fully Kawhi wants to play. I, I just, I don't know. I and don't know. I, it, it's just so confusing like, yeah. like to me. I, and I mean, I, I thought that, I thought that 30 minutes a night by the all-star game would have been fine, but clearly you think that's way too ambitious, which it might be. At like, the start of the year? Completely. I'm saying as of right now, I mean. Dude, they, they have to pay this guy. Forty-five million dollars next year, forty-eight million dollars with a player option the year after that, like mm-hmm. with no draft picks, and your, you know, all of your role players are going to be above thirty at that point. Yeah. Like, it's just a scary, scary proposition that they're in right now. Um, and granted, I'm coming from the 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 POV of a Laker fan. Like mm-hmm. we're in in dire straits right now. But yeah. speaking. If, if you're speaking as an unbiased Clippers fan right now, you cannot be excited uh, for what's what's going to happen, um, yeah. at least the first half of this year. And even when Kawhi gets back, is it like he's not playing back-to-backs? Like, what's his minute cap at? Yeah. So I think Kawhi's best, not coming in to save the day. For sure. I think best-case scenario, you're hoping that by the play one, obviously you, you want to get there, and that's not even something you can take for granted. But I think – if I'm a Clippers fan, fan, I'm just hoping that Kawhi can be playing not even like those games like 38, 39 where you really need to win, but just like 30 to 32 minutes a night by the time the playoffs come around. Like that is just what I'd hope. And I would go offer a max deal 
to the best like trainer out there like i I (laughs) legit would go do research and go look for like a just a stud trainer with a proven track record of knees and just hire him immediately well i guess in in the meantime we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about Kawhi as we should but in the meantime like how do you solve what they have um because the team that they have they've you know i i think there's gonna be room for growth yesterday yeah, like obviously it's looked ugly, and and we talked about it. There's plenty of players that maybe have a little bit too much on their plate right now, um. But but they're also like they're all good role players when they're when they're playing their best. I, I and I think we are eventually there will come a time where they do find a, a little bit of a groove. I don't know how much that groove. Like I don't think that groove is going to lead them to a three seed in the West without Kawhi. But like. I also think that there's some positive regression that is going to come from Norm. like Norm has been awful. Norm is not an awful player. He does. He have flaws. Yes, for sure. But honestly, offense is not one of those flaws. And I think over time that eventually gets itself worked out. They've missed Covington for some time. Mook was out for a while. You Kennard is one of the best shooters in the league. John Wall doesn't really look like a like his offense right now just feels kind of empty in terms of a lot of his buckets just like oh, I got downhill off of a made basket where they didn't get back in time, or I made a mid-range, but I'm going to miss the next three. But, like, all I'm saying, and even Reggie, like, Reggie is Reggie, but, like, Reggie will be better than what Reggie has been, you would think. So I I don't think this team is getting, again, flying up the standings, but I do think there will come a point where – they do figure some things out offensively where they understand a little bit more about uh, where to get each other the ball and where who's taking certain shots from, from what spots and and the usage and stuff like that. I don't know how big that jump it looks like, but you know me, I'm a, I'm a Clippers optimist. So we'll see. Who finishes higher, the Timberwolves or the Clippers? I, I honestly, I think I go Clippers. I think I go Clippers. Where are you at on that one? I I think that for as bad as both those two teams are playing, I think uh, if the Clippers were facing the Timberwolves, I I would think the Clippers win that game. But that's not a given, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just kind of looking and being realistic at the standings right now. Like the Warriors haven't gotten back. I imagine the Warriors will be better than the Clippers. The Pelicans, Mavs, Nuggets, Blazers. Grizzlies, Suns, like there's legit competition. Yeah. Um, you know, and they can't mess around. Like they're yeah. gonna be playing bound if they don't get this figured out. Yeah. I uh I think a good run's eventually coming, but we'll see. Um, all right, bro. Another quick break and then we'll we'll finish it off. All right, let's keep going. Um any you all good on Clippers Sixers? All right, yeah. cool. Let's go to, you know, when, when we last recorded, we did, uh, you know, guys who made the jump type of segment. Um, So we already have that. But I wanted to talk about, you know, one or two or, you know, it, we're not even limiting it. Uh, But guys, you've watched over the past two weeks that you've come away really impressed that were or gained a different appreciation for their game or just like, wow. Maybe I already knew you were this person, but it's been cool to see 
Uh, just some guys that have caught your eye. Um, anyone come to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, Devin Booker. Um, I mean, Devin Booker has just elevated his, his game again. Um, I think he has the highest net rating in the league right now. Um, and I know we already kind of talked about it last podcast, but the yeah. Suns go as book goes. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't even know where he would be ranked, you know, in the league today, but it would be tough to not put him as like a top 10 player At this uh, point. Yeah. in the league right now. I'm with like you. He's I'm... so talented. There's no facet of the game that he's not good at and you tie all of that together which is like his competitive fire is crazy yeah um, i love that you brought that just up such a fun smooth hooper yeah i love that and and i think it's a good one because you know obviously he's been highly touted for a while but he's never really creeped into that top 10 conversation you know i feel like at a certain point he came in and you're like oh this guy could be really good and then we kind of just were like ah he might like not it, it hasn't been recent but there was a time where it was almost like ah he's a zach levine like really good but like not really 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 good you know and now he's I, it'd be tough to keep him out of the top 10 bro and, and i love that you brought up the fire and defense because i think there's just lazy narratives from early on of I, no one said he wasn't fiery but i don't think people realize how competitive he is on a basketball court and how much he competes on the defensive end um so I'm with you. the The fact that the Suns are where they are is very highly uh, comes down on on Book's shoulders. But I also wanted to to bring up his teammate, bro. McCall Bridges is amazing. McCall Bridges yep. is absolutely amazing. I'm watching these games, and he is everywhere on defense. Right? He's he's always making the right read. There's been so many times too where I watch a play. One, he's getting his hands on everything. I feel like every other possession deflection. But I've seen so many times where it's not even his job to help. Like, technically, someone's a little bit closer, maybe in a little bit better position. But he reads it well, can tell that the guy who has the ball doesn't really have a chance of passing it to the guy he's defending. And he comes in out of nowhere with these go-go gadget arms and completely blows up the play. Um, it, it's crazy. But but on top of that, I think the offense has gone a little undernoticed too. He still doesn't shoot the ball that much. I still, I think he might only still be averaging 14. Uh, but just like, I feel like almost every shot he takes is a good shot. Um, he's, he's gotten a lot better at uh, pumping off these, these, these threes and hitting these pull-up jumpers. He'll get into the paint. A guy will be in front of him. He'll, he'll pump reverse pivot and shoot. Uh, like I just, he just looks very comfortable and very smooth. Yeah. And I think that's a, also just a really underrated part of how good the Suns have been is McCall is like a, I, I would uh, hot take. I think he's their second best player right now. I do. Yeah. Dude, his arms are like in space jam. Yeah. MJ's arm, like extended from half court. That's what I see his arm. He's also great in transition. Like fills the range, uh, fills the lanes, great finisher. Obviously, crazy athletic, but no, I mean, he and you kind of forget about him, right? Because he's always like, oh, he's like fourth best player, fourth highest paid on that team. But you're right, like, he's been incredible for them this season. Um, there's definitely an argument for him to be, you know, the second best player, uh, in, in Phoenix for sure, bro. Um, 
obviously SGA. Um, I know we spent I, I spent some time talking about him. Talked about him last pod too, but really, guys, like really, I I there's been a noticeable jump just in the efficiency, like every and, and everyone knows what he's doing too. That's the thing with great players, obviously, so they get to the line, right? But like for me, with great offensive players, no scouting port report, no nothing. Like you can't take something away and use that to beat him. Because if you take a certain thing away, it opens up something else, and that's what it is with with SGA. You can't force him into your own box um, because if you're doing something really heavily, he's just going to take advantage of it in another way. He's just so amazing in the in the in the key like he's always going to have these under controlled strides if you're in front of him he'll shoot over you it's just been beautiful like it's so fun to watch i've had a blast watching him so really if you guys haven't watched the thunder game and i don't you know i don't blame you they're not going to be on national television like i don't even think they get one game on that maybe one but if you have league pass or you you got streams like watch the thunder and watch this man i i don't think he scored less than 20 in any game like I, he could obviously he has to stay healthy and you you know one injury comes up and bam he's shut down for a week but i think he has a legitimate shot with his role and usage and the jump i think he's made at leading the league in scoring like i i don't think that's a crazy <laughs> thing wow that's, that's where i'm going with it bro like that's how that's how into sga i am is like obviously it's early but if you told me average 30 like i wouldn't call you crazy I, I don't know how he's going to score more than than Luca with the usage rate that Luca. What's, has. So what what's Luca averaging? Thirty six. Okay, well, yeah, it's going to be tough to beat Luca on any other year. Like, I get what you're saying. Yeah, we love SGA. I, I didn't realize Luca was averaging thirties. Luca has the ball every possession, but I guess SGA does too, honestly. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's going to be tough to beat. But he'll be he'll be up there. He'll be up there. Yeah couple other guys that i want to we don't need to do like a deep dive on any of them but yeah um porzingis i love what porzingis has done this year yeah. like and i don't even i don't even necessarily notice that much different about his game maybe it's just because he's healthy and like having fun playing on this team but he's been great for washington this year you know he's they're they're a top five offense and beals missed time um and even Bro, when he's healthy is... That is shocking to me. They're a top right. five offense. How yep. in the hell? Because I yeah. watched this this team today. I all granted Beal was out. Granted, Beal they was have out. the fourth, the fourth. Well, sorry. Their best lineup is a top okay. five lineup. Can um, I guess what that sure. lineup is? Uh, KP Beal Kuz uh, with. Monty and Danny. Yep. I would think that'd be like a be there because they're they're deep. Like what's what's their offensive rating per hundred with that lineup? hundred and twenty eight point one. Dear God, they must have went ape shit on a team like one night with that lineup. But they that that lineup has the fifth best net rating in the NBA. That's crazy, bro. That they need Beal though, because I watched this offense today. No one was, was could do anything. So maybe, maybe we gotta. I gotta. I haven't watched a lot of Beal and the Wizards, um. But I, I you know, I've always loved Kristaps, bro. I think he's a trip. 
I think he's an absolute trip. He trips me out. He's seven three, and he is a guard. He is not a big man. He is a guard in a seven three, yeah. trapped in a seven three body. But I, I I feel you, bro. Um, yeah, and then I I mean we can just every time we talk we can do a little a little Halliburton segment. Yeah, on like just quick sixty seconds. Um, yeah, this guy, I mean, and he's only twenty two. Like I. What's crazy to me is I never expected his shot to be as good as the translate like I, the way it has. Yeah, I, I always expected the defense. I always expected the high IQ, IQ, great yeah. facilitating. But like, I'm not. I mean, you, you mentioned you watched the Pacers. Like, he has a legit hitch in his shot that takes longer than anyone else in the league to get that shot off, and it's For so sure. weird. And like, it, and it's money. It's and money. it's not really like a fact. Like. He'll make shots like with guys there, and it, I don't feel like it gets blocked that often. No, it's <laughs> like, never blocked. Yeah. It's like a little flick, like yeah. off to the side. It, it's so weird, but and it's like super high arcing and then just splash. Yeah. Um, and I just never anticipated it, but I guess this is I what he needed, right? To, to yeah. be the facilitator and the initiator of an offense that doesn't care to win and like yeah. all right let's just and he has them in these games where they're not trying to win 100%. um which he's, right, that's our that's our 60 seconds on on how yeah. for the week he's like a he's like a new age cp3 with a jumper just like no not fast <laughs> go ahead but bigger yeah huge he's bigger huge yeah his uh, arms are so long so long yeah he's so smart i i love watching him play and yeah that Pacers team could be really, really bad, but he has them afloat offensively every night. Um, another guy for me that's jumped off the page is Desi Bain in, in Memphis, yeah. bro. Like, he took a huge leap last year. He took another one, bro. Like, he is – talk about another guy where you just – you kind of put him in a box post-college. Again, I don't watch a ton of college, but, like, rarely do you get, you know, spot-up shooters from college. And maybe he put the ball a little bit on the floor at TCU. I, I Again, I didn't really watch him. But the perception was, okay, this guy's going to be a spot-up shooter for you. He's going to be money. That's what he's going to do. And he's just so much more. He's so much more. Like, he has a legit handle. Um, there, Like, there are so many times in these games now, if he has space, he's consistently getting downhill. You can't really bump him off. He's a good finisher. And if you overcommit, he will find you. He's a good passer. Um, and I, I was just, you know, at the start of last year, he got better. I was like, okay, like this could be like a, I, I, I can't think of a perfect comparison, but like a clay's lazy. That's kind of a lazy comparison, but like a, a really good three and D guy, like, wow, he made a jump. He's going to be a really good three and D guy, but like he, he really has a lot of other tools besides that. And I, I think him and jaw can be that one, two, that one, two duo on offense. They, they have plenty of other holes and, you know, defensively is one thing. Actually, I don't even think Desmond's that bad defensively. But I've just been really shocked. I know I'm rambling. He he's just really good at basketball, and it's not just shooting. Yeah, no, he he's been great. Um, he uh he killed the Blazers the other night in the fourth quarter. He put up like twelve straight to start the fourth. Yeah. Um, just nasty. He's nasty. There are a couple other guys. Uh, Stiakam's been amazing, but the the one that I really wanted to touch on was, was Michael Porter Jr. Um, I had kind of like reservations as I'm sure everyone did going into yeah. the season. Dude, what would you guess he's shooting from three? So I, I just bet on him the other day. Um, oh, so, you so, know. so I know, 
but dude, he he makes every other shot. <laughs> He's shooting forty eight percent. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's fifty. 40, 49% on seven and a half attempts a game. Yeah. Like, obviously, I watch every Denver game because I own Jokic. Yeah. And it's like every time down the court, please pass to MPJ. Because yeah, it's, it's automatic. Assist. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter if he's covered or not. And even if his, even his misses, bro, are like back iron, in and out, yeah. you know? Like, they're always online. Rarely does he take a shot where it's like, because, right. you know, you're kind of watching the flight path. Like, oh, is that that's money. That's money. Rarely do you have a time where you're watching it's like, oh, that's off. Like, he's just – Yeah. He's so well, and, good. Yeah, I mean, there's – like, that Nuggets offense, when it's right, is so fun to watch. I mean, yeah. Aaron Gordon's another guy that we can mention that's been really, really good this season. Um, But, yeah, when that offense is right, they got KCP, Bruce Brown. Holy shit, dude. Like, that offense so is so – that. Dude, they could have put up like 160 on San Antonio last night if they yeah. wanted to, but they they pulled Jokic like I don't know five minutes into the third quarter. Yeah, um, and there was no need for him to come back. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That pass Jokic had where he got it, Art, you could tell he already knew. I, I think it was MPJ. Bullets. Just yeah, got bullets. it. Bah, bah, right there. No one else makes that pass, bro. It was it was yeah. beautiful. Um, Unreal. Uh, I got a couple others I wanted to touch on. Um, one, one is Drew. Like I've just had so much fun watching him. Like him and Giannis have been tasked with so much, and they're just living up to it every single night. He's amazing on, and I know it's nothing new. We know this with Drew, but you know he's so good on defense. Takes on everyone's best player, and then still, if the ball isn't in Giannis's hands, it's in Drew's hands. Obviously, he's on my fantasy team, but I, I've just had so much fun watching him. And then uh, the other one for me that stands out is, is Vassell. Um, just been so impressed. He came back the last two games, 25-minute uh, limit. I think he scored like 29 and 25. I, I, you might have seen him last night. But, like, yeah, another guy to me who in college to me was just, all right, he's a spot-up shooter, 3 and D guy. He puts it on the floor. He pulls up into the mid-range. You can tell there's certain guys that when they get into the mid-range, they can manipulate the defense into no matter how you play me, I can turn over my shoulder, get a clean look, in-rhythm look, and make it. He's one of those guys. He had a lefty floater the other day, and I, I've just been so impressed with his offensive arsenal. I, I thought he was just a 3-and-D guy, um, but he's clearly been a lot more than that. You could throw Keldon in there too, but uh, yeah. to me, I've been more surprised with the the variety in which Vassell's been able to score than even Keldon, even though Keldon's been really great too. Yeah, they were fun to watch last night. Um, I didn't really know a ton about Vassell, even going back to college. And I know I watch more college than you do, um, but I didn't really know a ton about him. And I know yeah. the, the San Antonio situation has been like a little bit weird the last couple of years, but um, he looked great last night. He can score at all three levels, get to the line. Smooth, smooth stroke too. Yep. Um, fun guy to watch yeah anyone else bro before we get to our power rankings um i'm trying to think too i i've really touched mine but i, I want to see if i'm missing anyone Trey are, are there guys that you're are, are there guys that you're disappointed in uh, Ooh, that's, that's a, more interesting that's honestly a good one uh let me think about that if you have someone go besides ahead. Kyrie. yeah dude oh my god dude they're the, i think it the the nets are actually gonna Go on, not on a run, but like they're not going to be as bad as they've been now that he's gone and he can just kind of get out of there. But 
Um, disappointed in. I'm going team by team. Uh, Bam, Bam, Bam. But like that, that's the thing. I I don't like the Heat. I don't watch their games unless like I ha- I have to. So I couldn't even tell you like what it's been. If you have, if you can, and you've seen it, like what what is his deal? Because he's not really a scorer already. You know, like is the de- has the defense been bad? Is he like turning it over? Like what's the deal with him? It's a lot of turnovers. And I think that's kind of the issue that we talked about with Miami last year. It's like eventually the ball handling duties are going to move further away from Lowry. And I know that like they tried to get Bam doing a lot of the facilitation stuff, like almost in like a Jokic-esque role where he had the ball at the top of the key, top of the perimeter and initiating the offense, but he's turned the ball over a ton. The defense is still there and I'm guessing the offense will come around. Like he's a great player. Yeah. Um, But if or just speaking in terms of disappointments to start the year, he's definitely got to be on the list. I think another guy, I mean, we kind of spoke about it earlier. I mean, Cat. Yeah, for me, it's Ant. Wait. So maybe you didn't get that. That was, yeah, we're live. But I think I mentioned it as my system was shutting down. So, but yeah, Cat and Ant. Um, also, just disappointments, you know, like they were coming in. To, they've had the steady progression. Oh, we're finally getting better and better. And I know you're you're working on the audio, so I'll just fill it. But, um, you know, like they finally made that that baby jump that you want to see the kind of that the Grizz did. And this was supposed to be the year where they really showed like, hey, we're here. We're like building blocks. We are both could be top 20. Play. You know, Cat might already be that. Um, and it just hasn't happened. So both of them have to be better. Yeah. In every yeah. facet. And again, it, it's it's tough. We're just going off of what we've seen so far, 10 games. And so, yeah. you know, with all these podcasts, we could be made to look like morons three weeks from now if For you sure. know the Timberwolves no. figure it out. I mean, we're 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 just relaying what we've seen so far. And you 100%. know, Kat has not been good and Ant hasn't been great either. But they're clearly talented players. So we expect that there's going to be some, you know, positive regression that's going to happen. Same with Bam. Um, but up to this point, it has not been pretty for, yeah. you know, any of those. Any of those. I got one too, before we go to the power rankings and this player is not, has never really shown anything uh, of what these other three have. It's James Wiseman. Um, I, I don't want to blame it all on James Wiseman. It's not all James Wiseman's fault. But James Wiseman's minutes have been disastrous. And honestly, you look at the Warriors, right? We've sucked. We haven't been able to win on the road. Draymond's playing really well. Like, Draymond's actually looking really good. Steph is locked in every single night. Steph has been great. Yes, Jordan can be better. Yes, Clay can be better. For sure. But, like, and again, it's not all Wiseman. But Wiseman's minutes, every time he checks in, late first, early second, kill us, kill us. And every single time he checks in, the the other team knows too. Every single time you watch without fail, high pick and roll with James Wiseman. He has zero feel defensively right now. And it's hard. I know I'm being somewhat hard on him because he hasn't played a ton of games, but almost every single time he's in a pick and roll, it leads to uh, a shot for the big where James isn't able to get back and contest in time 
or a shot for the guard where James overhelps and the guard can get downhill or finish over him. He even when he is in position, a lot of times he just doesn't like he looks strong, but it doesn't seem like his functional strength is really there. Like he he gets moved pretty easily. He doesn't like guys are able to go through him and finish. And in turn, it's affected him on the offensive end. Like he's missed plenty of lobs. He's missed some layups. And I feel like James is the type of the, the feel I get from him is like he wants these post-ups and he wants these offensive opportunities that he may have gotten in high school or college, wherever he's played. And that's just not the system the Warriors run. The Warriors might give you a post-touch here and there if they have a smaller, if you have a smaller guy on you, but they're never gonna run set post-ups for you unless they're trying to get you to pass out of it with like a cut on the other side. So it's just, I would have thought he'd be a little bit further along. I know he hasn't played a lot, but like you have great coaches, you have great players in your ear. You have tons of film sessions. You're literally playing next to one of the best defensive players of his, of this generation. And if you're soaking it up, like I know the game's moving fast, but like, I, I've just been disappointed. I, I, I know I'm a Warriors fan. So I had higher expectations. We took him second overall there it's fair if there's been people like I, I don't know what you expected given you know what we've seen but I just wanted some sort of improvement and maybe it's coming but literally like we've had to go to a zone a lot of times when he's in just because we can't play man when he's in the game but you can't not try to develop him you know so it's just it's been tough I, I know it'll turn in some capacity at some point but I've been really frustrated with it yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of the thought when you drafted him, Like the fit didn't make sense. Like uh, when, when you took him at two, like yeah. even if he had played games in college and didn't get hurt, like the fit still would have been really weird with what yeah. Steph runs. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I like, how would you rate your level of concern on a scale of one to 10? That's a good question. Um, so I, I think with the tools that he has, Eventually, he'll be a good basketball player. I, I do. And that might just be some optimism because I'm a Warriors fan. Like, I, I think 28-year-old Wiseman is a good player in this league. 27-year-old Wiseman actually impacts the game of basketball. He just has so many tools. If he has – if the game slows down for him, he will be. I just don't know when that's going to happen. So, for me, when I come say concern, it's high – because I, I don't think the timeline, like, I, I just don't think we can afford to wait this out for as long as you're going to need to wait this out and give him the amount of minutes that you need. Like, it'd be one thing if, you, you know, you could put him on a team that could play him 28 to 30 minutes a night and he could really get this experience. If we play him to 28 to 30 minutes a night, we're fighting for the play-in, man. We're fighting for the play-in. So, concern level's high. I'd put it an 8, I guess, a 7. I, I think we got to try and f find a deal. At, so I know you brought up the Jakob Pertl thing. Um, I would love that. I would absolutely love it because Jakob Pertl is a great fit. He's never going to need the ball on offense. He He's a great passer. At, you know, you could run split cuts um, and he can make the right decision. He's going to always be there at the rim. Like, I would love to do that. I just don't know. One, I don't know what the, the value is for Eisman, right? Like, I'm sure there's a team willing to buy low out there. Dude, I, I, like, I personally think that that deal makes sense for both sides like like it if you're being unbiased about it realistically how many how many elite years does Steph have left like if we're being unbiased about it like Draymond is most likely on the way out 
after this season anyways. Um, we don't really know what Clay is at this point, but the early returns haven't been wonderful. And so, like, if I'm the front office, and again, I mean, I said that they had to make a move last year, and they didn't, and they won the title. So, but we don't read like, terribly off. But, 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 like, the thing is, why I'm a little bit more concerned is like, GP and Otto were huge. Yep. Like, they were huge. We don't have that. I know we got Jermichael. He's so not is, Otto. He's so not. Is, you go so ahead. So was Bielitsa when he played, too. So Seemingly every belly. role player that the, Big that belly the Warriors bring is great. Very solid. Yeah, we, we don't. Like, those are massive losses. And I didn't even think Bob did a bad job. Like, given what GP got money-wise, like, I thought Dante and Jermichael were fine replacements. But it's, it, like, really, it's, it's getting concerned. And I think the... I think they'll be fine. Like, I don't think they will be a one seed or two seed. I, I think there's no, like, like we talked about, it normalizes at a certain point, but yeah, I, I would a hundred percent, if I'm Bob Myers, look at, I just, I hate that you're at this point selling low, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, at, at, at what point do you, do you move on? Cause like yeah. he's up for a rookie extension. Right. Yeah. And like, like, the, the Warriors are already strapped for money as it is now. Um, you know, last year with Draymond, again, going back to my earlier points about Steph and Clay, like these young guys clearly don't look ready either. And I think that they were anticipating them being ready. And that's not just that's not just Wiseman, that's Moody and Kaminga. And like, I don't know. I honestly have not watched a ton of the Warriors, but no I've kind of seen bits and pieces of pool and it doesn't look amazing so far um but he's great i know he'll probably yeah i'm not out, but... i'm not worried about pool but i am worried about the team as a whole so I'm, I'm with you if there are avenues to acquire like a someone with the quality of Jakob, i for sure think you do it it's funny because like i you could see it from a couple different lenses on one hand you could say okay yeah you have Jakob, but like what do you do you know what what is what is Jakob doing with you he doesn't he clearly doesn't fit your timeline you actually could afford to play, play James Wise in the, these minutes. Like, I wonder if the Spurs would be open to a straight swap or if even the Spurs are like, dude, like, Jakob is so much better than Wiseman. Like, yes, there's potential there, but, like, we're going to need more. I'm just curious where how that how that negotiation goes down. Um, I mean, what, from the Spurs' perspective, like, Jakob's an expiring and, like, they're trying to lose to get someone like Wembanyama. So yeah. like if they get someone like Wembenyama, they don't need Hurdle anyways, right? Um, and you know, I, I guess that would make Wiseman not obsolete. But I, I feel like for a rebuilding team like the Spurs, someone like Wiseman would be the perfect That's candidate. Per- literally to perfect. Yeah. Um, and then help from the lose. Warriors' perspective, like they've been terrible in the Wiseman minutes, and if you're trying to go back to back, which is incredibly difficult to do, you can't have him out there for that many minutes. Um, do you have you know, Wiseman's so, uh, net rating? I, I, I'd be super curious, dude. Let me find it. If it's not, if it's like, dude, I mean, not, the, the Steph play. That's the thing too. He shares a lot of minutes with Steph. Like I, I didn't. Go ahead. The Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney is plus 25.6. Net Dude, I'm not worried about the studs. Yeah, it's it's everyone else. All right, let's see. 
Wiseman on the court. Let's see what his net rating is. And he shares a lot of minutes with Seth. Some minutes. Holy shit, dude. What? How bad? How bad is it? With Wiseman on the court. I didn't make any other filters. Just when, when he's on the court, their net rating is in the first percentile. It's minus 21.2. I'm telling you, that passes the eye test, bro. It is brutal. It's brutal. It's to the point where, again, this team that won the title last year, it's like if he's on the court, you're fighting for the plane. If that's the level it's at. He just puts you in so much of a hole on defense. Okay, and listen to this. So the lineups that he's in with the starters – Mine is Looney, obviously. Yeah. So Seth, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman, minus 15.8. When he's in with all the starters, sub pool for Clay, minus 35.1. That is insane. I mean, take that, right? Because that same exact lineup with Looney is plus 25. With him instead of Looney, it's minus 15. That's that's mind-blowing. One guy different, right? Okay. You want to hear something even worse? <laughs> no, I don't know if I do, bro, but go ahead. Even worse. Kaminga and Wiseman on the court together. Yeah. It's been 94 possessions. They are in the zero percentile. <laughs> They're minus 27.1. <laughs> Just comical <laughs> numbers, bro. Comically bad, bro. It's like crazy how bad that is yeah. oh my god i knew it had been bad same but like, i didn't realize it was that bad that's got to be the starkest difference in the nba between starters and your bench play yeah it's like it's, that's like a 50 point net rating dude it's insane and and if you watch it too you'll you'll see why like it's it's every possession on defense it's like you have a college level center in there it's just not you can't do it you can't do it but if you bench him you crush he's such a pouty boy too he's such dude, a pouty video, boy oh yeah i wasn't even thinking about that yeah dude that's that like the perfect example right like he grew up like and, and see because because i when we were having the conversation i was trying to think back like what other prospect what other bigs like centers have been taken in the top 10 in the last couple of years and it's like maybe not a couple last eight or nine years you have Aiton who's kind of similar you have Bagley Bagley similar to Wiseman like they were huge but they were like lefties give me give me the ball on offense like I'm gonna go bang in the post Jaleel Okafor same way I'm big give me the ball in the post but you have guys like I don't know, guys like Mobley, you know, who can extend it out a little bit, but them being in the post, that's not what makes them good. Exactly. You know, it, it's not enough in like, at this day and age. If you're good in the post, it is not enough. It, you have to be Joel right. B. Like, like, have a full facet of game in the post. Yeah, you, you, you got to be that. Like, you, you got to be like, for example, Sengun. Sengun is like elite. That's he a differentiator. Yeah. Right. Like you have to be elite where yeah. it makes sense to funnel you the ball in the post. Or exactly. you have to be someone like what we think Chet could be, someone that can extend to the perimeter, great defensively. Right. Like Wiseman doesn't 
fall into either of those buckets. And yeah. so he, in my eyes, is much closer to a Jaleel Okafor or to a Marvin Bagley than he is to a Sengun or a Chet or a Wembenyama or an Embiid or a yeah. Jokic. Um, so it is it is scary yeah. because Wiseman's like Wiseman's that niche that he's in, that skill set that he's in hasn't been successful since like Embiid, right? And like that type of player. And even Embiid has like a more faceted game. Obviously, he's older, right? And he's come along. But like with James Wiseman, you he doesn't even have a successful, like semi-successful face-up game. Like you don't feel good when Wiseman's getting yeah. the ball and catching and facing up. His only thing, per- perceived thing in the post is a jump hook. Where, okay, yeah, if you get a smaller defender on you in a position, cool, you can go make a jump hook. But he's never going to be able to improvise or, or you know, see a draw. First of all, he's not drawing doubles, but, you know, draw a double and make the right play. It's just like he's he's focused on just getting these post hooks. And it's like, dude, that's never going to be something that you're going to get a steady diet of. Like, I just learned how to impact it in other ways. His screens suck, too. Like, he can't. He doesn't create any space for the guards with his screens. Guys are get slipping in through and around him. Like it's just, I'm not doing anything good. I don't understand how NBA athletes can be bad screeners, and you see it all the time. Like I am one that sees it all the time because I own Isaiah Jackson, not a good screener. Terrible. I own Claxton last year, terrible screener. Yeah, Garuba is really subtle art. Like Garuba has been better this year, but it's yeah. it's like they're still learning how to use their body. Like this is yeah. how you lean this way. This is how you don't push out your arms to foul. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's just so mind boggling. And then you watch someone that is like a really good Stephen screen. Adams, bro. Like who? Oh, Stephen Adam. Adams. Like Jokic, like race, like actually create space, space on the perimeter, and then know how to properly roll without pushing someone went off of them to get into the paint yeah but no it, it's super confusing like how that is not like okay yeah. basketball fundamentals 101 this is yeah. what we're working on during the summer you got to learn how to set a screen so you can get your teammates open then they give you the ball yeah and, and especially on a team like this right like and dre is right. an excellent screener and he has yeah, nowhere near the tools of james wiseman yeah it's just frustrating we spent plenty of time talking about it um any other disappointments before we go to our power rankings, bro? No, I did not expect to get this mini Warriors rant that we've been on. Yeah, um, it, it was, bo- it was bottled up in me, bro. It was, I didn't even yeah, realize it was that's, there. Um, that's, all right, power ranking time, bro. Um, let's – so many different ways we could do it. We can – you can give me your five. I can give you my five. Then we discuss within – we can go you five, me five. How do you want to do this? Uh, you, you give me your five first, and then I'll go my five. Okay, cool. Uh, one the I went I went the Cavs. Um, just because we're talking about right now, and the Bucks still don't have Middleton, and I know they're undefeated, but there are still times when I'm watching the Bucks offense, and I'm like, eh, that leaves a little bit to be desired. Again, Middleton coming back will change that, but as of right now, Middleton isn't there, and I think as of right now. Uh, this this Cavs team is playing the best basketball in the league. So they're my one. I want Bucks two. Um, I want Celtics three. I want Suns four, and then I have Nuggets five. Yeah. Um, 
I think I have the same five. Um, I would probably still go Milwaukee one. That's fair. Um, I, I just want to see it for more than nine games for the Cavs before I yep. give it over Milwaukee, who hasn't lost yet. Um, but no, I feel the same way about Milwaukee, right? It's just random stretches where it's like you have a lot of offensive talent. Why are you not scoring? Which is, again, a Budenholzer staple. He just decides to, <laughs> yeah. you know, do whatever he wants with his rotations. And, oh, dude. One guy we didn't mention in our in our surprises is, I Bro- mean, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez, okay, yeah, incredible, what bro, the hell? incredible. So <laughs> I, I've always felt like he was a super underrated center. I think I had him in my top centers like eight or nine, like two three years ago, and then he kind of fell off. He got hurt, obviously, which plays a big part. But he is fully back to that guy, and it is incredible. He's the ideal role playing center for me. Is a guy who. Even if he doesn't block the shot, he is a master of contesting without fouling. He stretches the floor, so you at least have to respect him. Uh, he's got this post fade now. Like, he's just incredible for them. Incredible for them. Yeah. And he's averaging almost three blocks a game. <laughs> that's insane. Dude, I didn't even, how many fantasy points is he at? Like, that's huge for Royce. I, is Dude, he in the 30s? Brooke has been in my ass all week. <laughs> all week. That's so um, tough. Yeah, he's got to be. He's at twenty nine right now. He was he okay. was above thirty when the week started, but yeah, he's um, been incredible. Yeah, so so I would say Milwaukee one, Cleveland two, and then I and then I do kind of see like a drop off. I haven't been like crazy impressed with Boston so far. I mean, they're doing what you know competitive teams do is they're in most games. Um, now granted they don't have their starting center, so it makes yep. sense. They're still trying to incorporate some newer, like signings off the street, like yeah. two of the three losses were to, yeah. to the Cavs. Yep. Um, um, Brogdon, I think, I just think Brogdon's so big for them, bro. Like that's kind of what we talked about. Like that's kind of what they needed. That's what they were lacking is that guy off the bench, that guard off the bench. That's not Marcus smart yeah. who can, initiate an offense and make the right play, but also be a threat to score. And he just looks so good, so comfortable. He's such a sturdy guy too. Like he's just wiry, strong, makes the right play, good shooter. Like, and again, yeah, this is all without Robert Williams. So I know they haven't looked yeah. like dominant, um, but I, I, I think yeah. that everything's still there. I, I would probably honestly put the Suns. <clears throat> Honestly, I might even put the Suns at two over Cleveland. Um, I'm just concerned about Cam. That's all. All it is for me. Yeah, I I guess that makes sense. But dude, like Phoenix is seven and two, and they've lost, you know, two games to the Blazers by a combined like four points. Yeah. Um, they very easily could be nine and zero right now. So yeah, I'm gonna go Milwaukee, Phoenix, Cleveland. I mean, first game without Cam, they beat the Blazers by thirty. For sure. No, again, I yeah. mean, no Dane, no Amp. But yeah, let's go Milwaukee, Phoenix, Cleveland, Boston. Big drop. Big yeah. drop between yeah. the fifth seed. And, and the fifth seed, honestly, could be like... I had no one up Memphis. there. Memphis. Uh-huh. I, I'd Memphis. Say, I was going to say Memphis. I honestly am not scared off by New Orleans losing a couple games either. Um, Dude, I, like Toronto. Toronto. 
Denver, New Orleans. I, yeah. I don't even think that there's any team that's done enough for me to say, yeah, that's the fifth best team. In the exactly. Game. There's like a top four and then everyone else is kind of figuring it out. Yep. I'm, I'm exactly with you. The reason I went with Denver is just the big fella. It's like, I know what I'm getting from him. I know Jamal's only going to get better. They've got all those pieces. Like, it's a matter of time before Denver rips off a nice little streak. So, Dude, but, I'm a little, but I'm little bit, little bit frustrated. He's only taken like 11 shots a night right now. He he hasn't looked. He hasn't been like fully himself. He hasn't. But I mean, it's Yo, bro. Like, it's common. It's common. Dude, he. So last year, last two years. So it's not just last year where he, he took more shots because MPJ and Jamal were out. Last year, 17.7 shots a night. The year before, 18 shots a night. This year, 11.8 shots per night. It's pretty stark. I, I, Obviously, you know, part of that's a tribute. I know, you know, the year before, not just – it wasn't just the MPJ, Jamal year, but, you know, I, I feel like it, maybe MPJ – I think MPJ did have a monster year, but, like, I feel like there's maybe a little bit more mouths to feed, but obviously that's not all of it. I just think Yoke – Yoke sometimes comes into these games just not as aggressive. And I think for whatever reason, he may feel just like, all right, I've been everything for so long for these past two years. Like, let me kind of take a backseat to to get some of these guys that acclimate. Like, he does yeah. not care about scoring. You know, he doesn't come in to a game like, I can't wait to score. Like, if, if it was up to him, he'd get 20 assists. And he's just kind of – like DG was kind of in that situation where he had to be a little bit more aggressive, I feel, but that's he, just an inference. You've he's seen aver- he's still averaging 2011 and he's averaging 9.2 assists right now. Um, yeah, so it, he'll get it figured out. I, I do think like a lot of it, you're right, is getting Jamal back into the flow of it, getting MPJ back into the flow of it, but I mean. Dude, like they they have guys that take shots now. Like they have um KCP, they have Bruce Brown, like obviously MPJ's back, Jamal's back. So do, do does he ever um I, I really haven't watched a ton of nuggets. How often do are him and Bones on the floor together? Who? Uh Yoke and Bones. Uh the way they'll do it is like they'll they'll play Jokic like nine or ten minutes in the first quarter Mm -hmm. and so bones will get like two or three minutes with Jokic in the first quarter when they sub jamal out dude i fucking hate bones i can't i can't (laughs) he's like he's like why yeah expand just a not even a dollar store version worse than like what maxi is like oh, yeah. Maxi has the green light and has the quickness and has the ball handling skills that seemingly Bones has, but Bones just doesn't make the shots. And like he has like one game every five games where he gets on like a five minute heater and then everybody's like, Bones, Bones, this is so <laughs> sick, Bones. But like the rest, he's shooting, he's got to be shooting like 30% on the year. Yeah. 30, 30 something. He just hasn't been very good. Hopefully, he turns it around. Yeah, I think their bench is not great. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think it's just yeah, especially if he's not sharing the floor with with Yoke. I think it's just probably his role is is that microwave score, and just he doesn't have it right now. But it's very very fresh. So as a passer, like what 
where where's he been there? Like, is he creating for others, or is it really just Jordan Clarkson? That that that's another thing. It's like last year he he averaged four assists four assists a night in the same number of minutes, and this year he's averaging two point eight. Mm. Um, so it's not even like he's being the the primary facilitator, which they don't really need him to be right, because not... they have. Yeah. Bruce Brown, like the Bruce Brown with the second second unit has been great, um, but they're just going to need him to be better. So I exaggerated a little bit. He's shooting 40% on the year, which still is not yeah. great. Um, but I feel, oh, like... wait, no, no, I'm incorrect. He's shooting 38% on the year, not 40%. Still pretty bad. Very bad. Um, but I feel you. It's it's frustrating when you have a young guy that seemingly takes whatever shot he wants early in the clock and hasn't quite earned earned that yet. But and Malone just gets so frustrated. You can see in like he's yeah. one of the most uh like wear yeah. your emotions on your sleeve yeah. coaches. And you just yeah. see it's like veins start to pop out in his forehead. Like he's yelling at bones to do shit and he just won't do it. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think, uh, you know, like, like we were talking about, that's a team that, again, they're five, you know, for, our, for me and you or wh- wherever you had them, they're six and three and they're, they're not even close to playing their best basketball on any, yeah. on any level. Um, got a lot of talent, dude. Yeah. Super talented team. Well, I think so. So last episode, bro, we closed off with this and I, I mean, we shit, bro. We might as well do it again. Like, where are the maps for you? I, I feel like they're just a I, I know I know I know what you think of them, right? But we've had two more weeks now. Um and it's it's the same sort of idea, right? Nothing has changed in the style of play, but in terms of the role players, how you've seen them in, in a couple other games, they've had some cool wins. Um where do you have them slotting in there? Like, are you taking are you taking the Grizzlies or the Mavs? Are you taking the Blazers or the Mavs? Are you taking, you know, I mean, we can we we've been shitting on them, but are you are you taking the Timberwolves or the Mavs? Uh, I mean, I think that the Mavericks are what I thought the Mavericks were. Like, and I've watched a couple other games now, so I don't want to hear anything about <laughs> oh you haven't watched the fucking Mavericks because I've watched the fucking Mavericks. Um, <laughs> And they are what I thought they were. But I will say this. I think going into the season, I didn't think that Luca would be this good, dude. Like, he's the best offensive player in the league. Um, and if he's able to sustain this all season, then maybe they can catch the Grizzlies. I just trust the structure. The structure and, and the depth of talent that memphis and denver and who else did you say uh denver I think memphis portland, new orleans like, like portland's yeah like i i think that um i i'm probably taking new orleans can you hear me yeah no we're good can you hear me Damn. um yeah i can hear you I'm probably taking New Orleans. I think Portland's probably – Dallas is probably better than Portland. 
I yeah, think I'm Dallas over Portland. Um, but yeah, I I just you're not. I moved. mean, like, what do you, what do you see? Um, I, I honestly, I'm taking them. I, I'm taking the Pelicans over them. I'm taking the Nuggets over them, but I'm taking them over Minnesota. I'm taking them over Portland. And I'm, ta- I'm honestly, I think I'm taking them over Memphis. Um, with Memphis, I, especially without Jaron, I, I do, I, I just have concerns about the defense. I do. I know draw is amazing. I know Bain's amazing. Um, but even, even these, this like nice little win streak they have, Beating up on some really bad teams. They beat up on the Wizards today without Beal. They beat on the Hornets without Hayward, Terry. They beat up on, you know, uh, I think I don't know who else it was, but this this Maybe the uh the Blazers without Dame. Yeah, without Dame. Like and, and that was off of two really bad losses to Utah. So you knew they were coming with their best performance. But you know, those that those Utah games too. Like I, I just uh, I just think they are going to have to score an incredibly high level. And, and that's the thing with John Bain. They're really good, but a lot of times they're making some tough shots. Jaw's coming in through the teeth of the defense and just jumping at a seven-foot rim protector, and somehow he's making it, right? Or Bain's getting the ball and, and pulling this deep three. Like, I, I just feel the offense is incredible. The defense, I feel like – and the Mavs still have a lot to work out on defense too. But I, I feel – more comfortable with the Mavs knowing what they had last year and Jason Kidd. And the Grizz had a good defense last year too, but Jaren, well, no no one's walking through that. Jaren's not walking through the door anytime soon. Well, the the Mavs aren't the team that they were last year. Like they, they lost their second best player. No, I, I'm talking about defensively. Oh, just defensively. Year, yeah, they were – go ahead. I, I think with Dallas, like I posted it a couple times in the chat, but mm-hmm. – the lineup that they had been running out there McGee. with Luca, Denny, Bullock, McGee, and Dorian mm-hmm. was in the fourth percentile. They were minus 18.2 net rating. So that might be a testament to Jason Kidd as a head coach, realizing, hey, I'm looking at the numbers. Bro, we got him out of there so cool. fast. Yeah. yeah. And so so maybe we'll see. Like that could be like, all right, the first and I think they took him out prior to last game. Yeah, Powell's been starting the last couple of ones. I think it's been yeah. two games. But, yeah. like, and the they, game before Powell played, JaVale, like, started but then didn't play again. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could be an entirely different thing because, like, even a diehard Mavericks fan could not honestly tell me that this looked like a top-five team in the West the first couple weeks of the season. Like, you can say that Luka is the MVP front runner, but you can also say that the rest of the team was really, really bad. Um, and so now they made this adjustment. They're two and zero since the adjustment. I would be curious to kind of see what those numbers look like after Powell stays in the starting lineup for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but without a doubt, don't get me wrong. This is a playoff team. I don't think that they're yeah. a play-in team. I think they're a playoff team. For sure. But again, I still don't think that this team, you know, is at the top. That's of fair. The way. To to put a bow on it. I think the way I'd succinctly put it for me, in my mind, the way I see it, last year, and I know it's a different year this year, the West is seemingly better, but last year, from the second half of the season on, to me, they were a very good team, and the way they functioned was, and I know they had JB, but a really, really good defense, and then Luka takes care of the offense. And to me, Luke, I know no JB. I they. It's different, but I feel like Christian Wood does add another element outside of Luca to someone you can go to to an extent. Um, 
But to me, you have the idea of you could have that same level defense and Luca's even better as a scorer and an, and an engine as he was last year. So I see no reason why they can't. If they're that level, if they're at the level they were playing last year or close, I think that's going to be enough to at least be in the picture. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. That's fair. We'll see. That's fair. We'll see. All right, bro. I think, honestly, we, we got right back to two hours again, but it's – it's all good with me, man. It's all we, good. We with gotta me. do. We we gotta do like a episode and review. We we gotta look through and see which topics that we talked for way too long about, and then yeah, we can just, point them out. And, and I I gotta be better of like, all right, we're coming in with these topics. Let's uh at a certain point, let's move on. Like just set a timer for certain topics, and <laughs> and we'll we'll fine tune that. But I appreciate you, bro. I always have a blast, and uh should should be good to go again next week, bro. All right, bro. Sounds good. Have a great night. Have a good one, bro. Thank you to everyone. Peace.